welcome to the Fresh Expressions Podcast Season 3. I'm your host, Heather Jalad. I'm a local church pastor and a cultivator of Fresh Expressions, new faith communities that strive to reach new people in unexpected places. In Season 3, we're opening our archive of a decade of useful training materials and sharing some of the talks and workshops that have inspired us over the years. This season is brought to you by FX Connect. FX Connect is an online community of church leaders who are reaching new people in new places and where you can find an entire library of practical and inspiring training materials. You can register for free today at fxconnectus.org. Well, I am excited to get to share with you this episode today that features the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Michael Moyna, talking about church in every context. Mike Moyna is an Anglican priest in the UK. He has written just prolifically about this Fresh Expressions movement. I don't know how he would feel about it, but I often refer to him as the one of the godfathers of this movement in the UK. Uh, He has written, as I said, prolifically books like uh, Being Church, Doing Life, Church for Every Context, Church in Life, 21st Century Christian. Um, Check him out. Uh, Many, many wonderful resources in this movement and such a powerful uh, pioneer in this movement. I love this presentation because he walks listeners through the journey of fresh expressions and emphasizes the importance of, of community, prayer, and experimentation in starting fresh expressions. So without further ado, I invite you to listen in on this talk from Dr. Michael Moyna. And if you find this talk valuable, certainly share it with others. Um, Invite others to subscribe to the podcast, to like, and to comment. And also check out our fxconnectus.org app where you can learn from more practitioners and hear more talks just like this. Uh, okay, uh, friends, shall we uh, uh, make a start? Uh, my name is uh, Michael Moyner. Uh, I'm from the UK, as you can tell by my accent straight away. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I've made a number of trips to the States. Always enjoy uh, coming, uh, enjoy the energy that you give us and your entrepreneurial spirit and many other great things that are true, even if they're cliches. And um, I'm a a member of the uh, UK National Fresh Expressions team, so I work alongside Graham Cray. And uh, uh, one of the things I do is I hold a theological brief, uh, both to reflect theologically on what we're doing in Fresh Expressions, but also to connect that theology to practice. And I'm very interested also in the methodology uh, of Fresh Expressions and what we see uh, on the ground. So um, the theme of our workshop is uh, developing church in every uh, context. And let me just uh, uh, start with a, with a reminder that when we're talking about church in every context, literally we're talking about church in ordinary life scattered across every segment of society. 
And I want to give you a rationale for that in a minute. But just a quickly reminder that we're talking about uh, little Christian communities that are missional, that they work mainly with people who are outside the church. I'm thinking of uh, a conversation I had two weeks ago. Uh, and this person said, we've been taking uh, groups of teenagers from this inner city area of Bristol, we've been taking them on a summer camp every year. And then we've been coming back with them and we've been working with them. And now we're finding something like Christian community is beginning to emerge. These teenagers have got no background in church at all. But we're seeing that something like Christian community is emerging among these teenagers. And I'm ringing you because I want to ask you whether it's okay for us to call this church. So they're missional because they work mainly with people outside the church. They're contextual. When I was in Pittsburgh last year, I met a woman who took me to a laundromat. And she said, look, what I'm doing here is once a month I come in here, I, put a, I pay for all the people's laundry. Uh, it takes an hour and a half for the cycle to go through. So I come back at the same time each month. I'm getting to know these mainly women and we're talking together. And she said, I'm now training a team in the church so that we can do this more regularly, and I'm making sure I'm building my friendship with a manager so that I don't do anything that he'd find embarrassing. And you know, if you talk with people for an hour and a half, and you come back regularly, it's not long before you're going to be talking about issues of life and death. And so I can envisage that I'll soon be praying with these folks. A Bible study naturally follows. I can imagine, and this is my prayer, that church will emerge here in the laundromat. This is church in context. Church is formational. It seeks to make disciples. Uh, I'm thinking of someone else I met in Pittsburgh, and he said, Mike, this is my story. I was brought up in church. I got fed up with church, so I stopped going, but I love computer games. I went onto this computer game, and in the game you had to gain weight to cross a bridge. But I found a little uh, advert that said this group of people would get me across the bridge free if I watched their video. So I watched their video, it was all about grace. And then at the end of that video, I was invited to an online Bible study. I went to that online Bible study, and I've now decided to connect with church offline, and here I am, Mike, in this group of people talking with you about how you inform, how you start intentional communities. You see, this wasn't just a one-off video that he watched, it was something that led him into ongoing discipleship. Church in context, in this case, in the context of a video game. There is nowhere in our culture where church cannot be. But don't let's put cathedrals into second life. Let's do church in the online culture in a way that has integrity to that culture. That's why this video game concept was really interesting. I'm not sure that they're totally there, but it was really interesting. And then it's ecclesial. These are little communities, they seek to be church in their own right, not stepping stone to Sunday church, but church where they are. I'm thinking of a, a small little church in England. We have stacks of small churches. It was in a village community. They had a luncheon club on a Wednesday. And at the end of one of these uh, lunches, uh, they brought out um, uh, the, the holy table into what we call the, the sort of sanctuary up in the front of the church. They um, put chairs around it. They invited those older people who wanted to stay behind, to stay behind, gather around the table. 
They played some uh, Christian music. They um, read some verses from scripture. They had some said prayers and some silent prayer. It just took a quarter of an hour. About 25 out of the 28 people stayed behind. All right? The beginning of a little gathering there that had the makings of church. Not church on Sunday. If they'd wanted to come to church on Sunday, they'd have been there on church on Sunday. But church where they gathered at the end of their luncheon club. We're talking about church in every context, little Christian communities that have these four uh, features. Let me tell you why it's important to do church in, con in context. Our experience of church is something like this. We gather for worship and we scatter as individuals for mission. We come together on Sunday, but then we go out into the world and it feels as if we're going out into the world on our own. Now you can qualify that. We go out with the prayers of the saints. Some of us may get involved in corporate activities that are missional of our local church during the week. But by and large, for most of us, it feels as if we're going out into the world on our own. And it is very hard to do mission on your own. Well, let me tell you, that is not how God intends mission to be done. He does not intend mission to be done on our own as individuals. Mission is to be done in community. God himself does mission in community. The Holy Spirit isn't there doing mission alone. The Holy Spirit is there with the Father and the Son. The three persons of the Trinity are always together. Stephen Bevins, the missiologist, talks about the divine communion in mission. A great description of the Trinity. The three persons are going out into the world together to do mission. The Holy Spirit is the leading edge, if you like, but Father and Son are there. And just as God does community, does mission in community, so he expects us to do the same. In the creation story, he gives the mandate to go out and bring the world back to order, to, if you like, spread out the borders of the Garden of Eden so that the paradise extends over the whole globe, he gives this mandate to the man and the woman together there to do it in community. And when uh, things don't work out the way that God had hoped, he calls another community to be the carriers of his salvation, Israel, who's to reveal God in his everyday life. And then when Israel doesn't quite live up to its vocation, Jesus comes and what does Jesus do as his first act of public ministry? He calls together a community. Karl Barth says, the great Swiss theologian, says that Jesus wouldn't be who he is if he did not have his community and this community did not have a missionary purpose. Jesus chooses to do mission not on his own. He could have done. He chooses to do it with his disciples in community. They are his mission assistants. They help him. You know, they help him distribute the bread and the loaves. They uh, act as gatekeepers, although, you know, when it comes to the children, they don't quite know who to keep in and keep out. They're there. He teaches them how to do healing. Sometimes it doesn't work. You know, they try to cast out a demon and it doesn't go. And they have to come back perplexed. But they're to share his ministry. And then he sends them out in twos to visit the villages, not on their own. No solo mission here. They go into everyday life. He doesn't send them into the synagogues. He sends them into everyday life, the villages, to do mission in community. 
And we find St. Paul doing the same, going out in community. We're not, you know, it's not possible to be community in our society in every walk of our lives. That's not the argument here. But we are where possible to form communities through the week which can do mission so that we don't have to do mission on our own. And particularly important is that these communities are to be in everyday life. The disciples that Jesus calls, he takes them into everyday life. They're there at the wedding in Cana. Luke 12 is fascinating. You know, we read that the crowds are packed together. But what does Jesus first do? He turns to his disciples and talks to them because he's forming them in public in everyday life. There they are at the temple in everyday life and Jesus does a running commentary. See that woman over there? Oh, she just put her last coin, her last dime into the, into the box. These disciples are taken into everyday life. And when the New Testament church forms in people's homes, those homes, they are the epicenter of ordinary life. They're the centre not only of families, but they're the centre of networks. They're the centre of work. Over half the homes excavated in Pompeii have work associated with them. They uh, have workshops or horticultural plots or something that indicates that they're also places of work. Church is in the epicentre of ordinary life. And that's what happens when it goes out and spreads across Europe and into the Middle Ages. Church is still at the epicentre of life. The village church is at the heart of not only domestic life, but it's at work life. It's the heart of festivals. The Puritans complained in the 17th century England that there were too many festivals. There are a hundred festivals in the year. A hundred. These were holidays. They couldn't do their business. Church, you see, is at the centre of all that. It's at the centre of life. And then what happens? You get the Industrial Revolution and there's a hiving off of much of life, especially work life and domestic life. And the church remains in the residential area, but the rest of life goes away from the residential area. And of course, during the 20th century, you get multiple forms of, of uh, leisure activity and consumerism happening beyond the home and beyond the residential setting. But the church gets becalmed. And what's happening, I believe, with fresh expressions, we've just seen the beginning of it, is a, a reconquering, if you like, or a re-entry into the space of, of the rest of life, moving away from just being in the domestic arena in the residential setting into workplaces, into cafes, uh, into leisure centres and gyms and uh, swimming pool centres, into uh, demographic groups that would never normally have experienced church, going to where people are rather than bringing people to, to, to the church. And we have this great uh, vision set for us of when the kingdom comes, when Jesus returns. At the end of, of Ephesians, what does the writer tell us? The writer tells us that Jesus will, be, will fill all things. All places of life, all aspects of life will be filled by Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that, that God will be all in all at the end of history. All God in all places, in all aspects of life. So when we take church into every context, every fragment of life, into every nook and cranny of people's existence, whether it's on the internet, whether it's 
off the internet, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in your street, whether it's in the cafe, wherever it is, what we're doing is anticipating that time, anticipating the future when the kingdom will be fully present. We're pointing to that kingdom. We're beginning to make it tangible by saying, yes, the people of God will be in every, every, every corner of life. That's what this is about. So I hope you guys are totally convinced we're doing this at a rate uh, of knots here. But, you know, church does not have to be, we gather on Sunday, I go and do mission on my own. It can be, I gather with other Christians in a walk of my life, form a little community through the Spirit, and walk a journey towards church coming to birth in that context. So how does that work? What does that journey possibly look like? Well, here it is. Let me, uh, you, some of you will be familiar with this, but let me just repeat it. This, I would suggest to you, is the most important thing you need to learn in this conference. And let me tell you why, okay? Let me tell you why. What each of us needs, you know, the, the, I'm trying to think how to get into this. The, the, the people in the, among NGOs, the voluntary sector, you know, they often talk about what you need is a theory of change. You need to have some idea about how change is coming to place. You know, I've got a son-in-law, he works among um, uh, people who are recovering from drug and other addictions. He has a theory of change as to how that's going to happen. You know, there'll be a call-in centre, a drop-in centre. As they get to meet each other in the drop-in centre, they'll meet caseworkers who will invite them to a discussion group. As they meet in the discussion group, uh, so they'll uh, 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 begin to commit to some uh, counselling that will help them get off debt, but all the, uh, uh, off drugs, but all the time they will have the support of these other people that they're meeting with. That's kind of the theory of change that he's got. If we're going to be missional in our everyday life, if we're going to think about contextual church, then we need a theory of change. How is this going to change people's lives? Uh, and through the Spirit, this is a little journey that uh, many fresh expressions are now f are following. You know, you start with a period of listening to the context. You find ways of loving and serving the people in that context. Around that loving and serving community forms. You then create uh, opportunities for, to, for people to explore becoming disciples of Jesus. As they come into faith, church begins, or something akin to church, or something that smacks of church, begins to take shape around them, and you encourage them to do it again. That is the theory of change. That's the journey through the Spirit, with the Spirit's aid, you're kind of hoping to, to walk. Now, what that looks like in, like in real life is different in every context, always different. The circles overlap. Sometimes they overlap completely, sometimes they occur in a different order. This is neat. Life is messy. But all models are neat. They're just abstractions. So treat this in the way it should be. But it's a, it's a, it's a way of thinking. You can ask yourselves, where are we on this journey? Where's the Spirit led us so far? And where are we going to go next? Here's uh, an example. A church uh, in, in Reading. A church among uh, teenagers. They've been there for about 10, 12 years. They now have uh, about 50 uh, teenagers worshipping together. 
who were never anywhere near church before. They're on the edge of what you'd call unclubbable young people. Uh, and so they started uh, by uh, listening to the young people, uh, and making uh, uh, contact with them by hanging around uh, the school gate. As they got to know them, uh, they found ways to love and serve these young people. Uh, very practical ways that accompanied them to the courts when they were up in front of the magistrates. That helped them get home when uh, you know, the, the, all the last buses had gone on a Friday night. They'd come out of their clubs uh, and they were too drunk to even know where they were. They helped them home. They'd do anything they could to love and serve them. As they built the relationships, they invited them to join uh, evening clubs. These weren't clubs with games and activities. They were simply places where the kids could hang out. Became very popular. They then started to take them away for a weekend. And during the weekend, they'd introduce them to Jesus in a, in a fairly uh, in-depth way. And as a result of those weekends away, uh, a steady trickle, which has grown in numbers, of young people have come to faith and formed a little worshipping community where they grow in commitment. And what uh, the leader said to me was, you know, having this little journey mapped out has been a real help to them because uh, when I met him uh, uh, two or three years ago, he said, this step from these evening clubs to the weekend away, we can see now that that's too big a step. We need to think of things that we can put in to make it smaller steps. And we can now have a little map, if you like, which we can use to evaluate every new proposal. He said, in the past, when we had no idea what we were doing, we'd come up with 100 ideas before breakfast and have put into practice 50 of them before supper in the evening. You know, he said it was hopeless. We were dying of exhaustion. But with this, we can say, how does each of these ideas contribute to this little journey? And if it doesn't contribute them, we can say, well, no, not yet, not yet. Let's go for an idea that does contribute to the journey. Can you see what I'm saying? Some people say, well, you know, it's a great little journey, but how do you encourage people to move to Jesus through those circles? So let me give you an example. I met a woman and she said to me, she said, Mike, um, we've got a language cafe for ethnic women. And what we do is we give them, uh, you know, you can tell I'm from the UK, we give them a nice English cup of tea. Uh, and actually it's a full tea on a Thursday afternoon. And we set them in tables and we give them topics and they discuss their topics in these tables so that um, uh, they can improve their English. They'd done that having identified a need after the listening process. This was a form of loving and serving activity that they put into place to love these ethnic women, meeting a real need. Uh, as they met for tea and talked in their tables, community was beginning to form. She said to me, Mike, we don't know how to take this to the next step. We don't know how to go the next journey, bit of the journey. So I, um, uh, I, I, said, to her, I, I said to her, tell me, do you pray together? You got a team? Yeah, we got a team. Do you pray? So I said, she said, yeah. So I said, why don't you, when you pray, uh, ask these women and invite them to give you prayer requests if they want, see what happens. Six months later, I met her. She said, what we did was to put up a prayer board. Uh, and these women, they post their prayer requests on, these, on the prayer board. If they're things that are confidential, they can talk to us in the team confidentially. And she said, now, because we've been posting, or the women have been posting their prayer requests on the prayer board, they're all now talking about their prayer requests. 
And because they're talking about that prayer request, that gave the group, the leaders of the group, permission to put some spiritual topics into the topics that the tables would discuss. So spirituality is now right up the agenda. Christian spirituality. When I met her again, uh, 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 a while later, she said, you know, following that, we then put in an alpha course so as to introduce these women uh, to Jesus. You see? So prayer was a key element there. And I've noticed among many of our fresh expressions that inviting people to share prayer requests is a great way for putting spirituality, Christian spirituality, onto the agenda. Let me give you another example. Um, a couple moved into uh, one of our cathedral cities and uh, they moved in with the intention of starting church uh, and they um, simply, every person they met, they extended hospitality to. I invited them around for a meal. Uh, and um, through that, they gathered all sorts of people. The, the, the wife, uh, she met a woman who was looking for a, 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 a mums and toddlers group where she could take her young child. Uh, there wasn't one locally, so they started one together. And uh, they invited the mums and, the, and, the, and their partners to a meal, and the husband said to the blokes present, why don't we meet on a Monday evening? And they formed a football team, soccer team. And so, um, you know, they did everything they could to meet people. After three years, they had about 40 to 60 people gathering on a Sunday morning for breakfast. All right, that was their loving and serving activity. They'd listened to the community. They got to know people. They'd started loving and serving. They put in a loving and serving activity, but not just one. They put in as many social events as they could. You know, um, uh, 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 in the summer, they'd have ice cream parties. In the winter, they'd have chocolate parties. You know, they'd have any kind of party they wanted. And they'd keep inviting people to their home. So folks who come to their home for meals would say, well, you know, why are you doing this? You know, why did you move to the area? And they said, well, we moved to the area because we want to plant a church. A plant a church, what's that? It's not difficult to engage people in conversations about Jesus. And so as a result of those conversations, they, they, they would try other initiatives. They'd try anything. So they said, oh, well, we'll try um, introducing the Bible in three evenings. The story of the Bible in three evenings. And they put on all these different events. And, you know, if no one turned up, they wouldn't be embarrassed. You just try it, see if it works. As a result of this, after three years, they'd originally got a, a core team of two or three couples with about six or seven people who were Christians involved. After three years, they were inviting people who were interested in the faith to come and join them in these core teams. So these core teams had now grown to 18 people. They'd split it into two cells. Their vision was to keep multiplying these cells of people who were exploring the Christian faith, coming into the Christian faith, beginning to worship, and then they would bring the cells together once a month for something larger. You getting the picture here? Different ways that you can help people to move through those circles uh, to make uh, this serving first journey. So you might say to me, well, how do I get started? Well, the way to start is to start with what you've got. Who you are. What do you know? Who do you know? Don't start with a blank piece of paper. Start with who you are. What's the passion of your life? Who do you know? What do you know? One person, he was passionate about repairing bicycles. So he started with that. He knew some people on the housing estate. He started repairing bicycles with these young teenagers and would just share his life with them. Someone else was a, 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 a nurse in a medical practice. She knew that uh, there were abnormally high levels of um, 
of postnatal depression. That's where she started. And so she went to a minister who, uh, uh, is who she knew, who got a home on the, on the uh, uh, neighbourhood where many of these women came from, these mothers came from, and she said, will you and your wife host a support group? Because one of the things she knew was that support groups help people with depression. And so they started this support group. Uh, the story goes on and these folks are now walking a journey towards church. How did she start? She started with who she was, a nurse. What did she know? Something about depression and the levels of depression among the folks she was working with. Who did she know? Minister and his wife who could host a gathering. So start with what you've got. Find another Christian or even more. You know, if it's your place of work, if it's your neighbourhood, if it's your gym, pray that God will point you to another Christian. You know, wear a fish, fish sign. If you are um, uh, uh, in, in a workplace and you're allowed to advertise on your internet, then advertise that you want to start a prayer group. You know, if there's not another Christian, then share the gospel with whoever you meet and pray that they become Christians. Start with what you've got. Find another Christian in the context. Meet with that other Christian. Pray together and ask God to show you very simple ways that you can love and serve the people round about you. And as you love and serve the people round about you, pray that Jesus will show you ways that you can share him with these folks in that context of loving and serving. So find another Christian, pray together that God will give you some good ideas. And then test your ideas. Test them. Try them out. Try them out on the people in the context. Would this work? Is this a good idea or not? Would you come? Would your friends come? If you don't know them well enough to try your ideas out on them, you probably don't know them well enough to actually start anything, so get to know them better. Do you spend more time on that listening process? Try experiments. Remember, there is no such thing as failure. There is only feedback. Everything you do, make it an experiment. It takes the pressure off. All you have to worry about then is, are you collecting the feedback? Did it work? Didn't it work? Didn't work? That's fine. We now know we'll do something else. Test your ideas. Begin with very simple acts of service. Keep them simple. If you're in the workplace, take some donuts on a Friday morning or some croissants. Share them for free with people in the office. Do it with another Christian. See what happens. This is the great thing. It picks up what Alan Roxborough was saying. If the Spirit is there ahead of us, then just let the Spirit animate what you're doing. See what the Spirit does. Involve the people you serve. The more they're involved, sharing what you're doing with you, taking some responsibilities for it, the more committed they'll be, the more they'll invite their friends. Look for the next step on the journey. You know, here's the journey. Keep asking God, well, we're still in the listening phase, or we've now begun to move to the loving and serving phase. Show us what we can do to help build community here. Show us as we're building community what we can do to introduce Jesus here. Keep asking the Spirit to guide you. Keep asking the people you're working with. All right, what can you do to move down this journey? But remember, each step of this journey, each stage has its own integrity for the kingdom. 
You don't have to finish the journey. Each circle has its own integrity. If you do no more than listen, that is brilliant for the kingdom. Uh, one of our psychologists at Cambridge University said, to be listened to is as close to being loved as to make no difference. To be listened to is as close to being loved as to make no difference. So even if you do no more than listen to people, you'll have loved them for the kingdom. And that has its own integrity. Do not see each stage as simply a means to the next stage. See it as something valuable for the kingdom in its own right. And if the Lord blesses it, he'll create the momentum to move to the next stage. So uh, go look, walk down each of these uh, circles, if you like, of the journey. Look for the next step. And then, as you give the gift of being community with Jesus to other people, release that gift. A gift is not a gift if you don't release it. You know, if I give a little toy aeroplane to my grandson, and then I spend the whole afternoon holding his hand and showing him how to play with that toy aeroplane, it's no longer a gift to him, it becomes really a gift to me so that I can relive my childhood. A gift is a gift when you release it. And so as church begins to take shape, we have to release that gift of the church, of Christian community. We have to release it into the hands of those who are receiving it. And we have to trust them and the Spirit under the Word of God to take that gift and, if you like, play with it in a way that is appropriate to their context. So when you find church emerging in a form that you did not expect, do not despair. Say, hallelujah, this is a sign that I'm doing my job. I'm releasing this gift from God into the hands of the recipients, into the hands of the Spirit, so that together the recipients and the Spirit, under the Word, can develop this church and develop a journey into discipleship that's appropriate for them. We in the church want to hang on to the church all the time and tell people how to do it. Frankly, I can say this from a former imperialist power, that's a kind of colonialism. You can't do that. All right? Certainly not in God's kingdom, which is not about imperialism. So release the gift. See what the Spirit does and rejoice in the journey. When you see this gift taking root, then you know that this is church truly for that context. Church in every context. Fresh Expressions is a worldwide movement of everyday missionaries who want to see churches thrive in the places we live, eat, work, and play by leveraging the creativity and endurance of the inherited church. To learn a simple five-phase process for starting a new expression of church, go to freshexpressions.com backslash how to start. Season three is brought to you by FX Connect, an online community full of other church leaders passionate about reaching new people in new places. 
Access our entire library of practical and inspiring training materials and connect with other church leaders at fxconnectus.org. Season three of the Fresh Expressions podcast is hosted by me, Heather Jalad. It's edited and produced by Jeanette Statz, Kathleen Blackie, and Chris Morton. Our national director is Dr. Christopher Backert. If you have learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and share this episode on social media. Now, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that his ways may be known on earth and salvation among all nations.